of Pastor Taiwo Udukoya, the Senior Pastor of the Founding of Life Church. It is our prayer that the message you are about to hear will no doubt shapen your destiny in Christ. Be blessed as you listen. Father, we give you praise, we give you honor. We thank you for the opportunity to sit at the table and partake of the bread of life. And I ask in the name of Jesus that even as we do, Father, speak through me in the name of Jesus. Anoint my lips in the name of Jesus. Let these words be meaningful to the people hearing. Let there be deliverance on Mount Zion. Let there be healings of bodies and salvation of souls. And let your name be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today we want to continue on the scripture we considered on Thursday. We started looking at what Paul meant when he said, I press. So our scripture is from the book of Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. I read, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the high price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let me include verse 15. It says, therefore, let us as many as are mature, yes, mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. The first thing I observed here is the fact that Paul said that it was not like he had attained. It was yet to attain. So I pondered for a while. Why will a man of Paul's standing think and spoke in this manner. First, in my meditation, I realized that Paul was one that will depict life as a race. That got my attention. And that began to throw some light on what Paul was saying. First of all, you see, we have the first reference I want us to look at. First Corinthians in chapter 9. I'll read from verse 24. It says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? It says, Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we, for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection 
lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. So we begin to see now in his letter to the Corinthian church, he spoke of life in general as a race. And what one gathers here is, as long as you are alive, you are in a race. A race that you must run. You don't have a choice in the matter. Given the man has been created a free moral agent, I don't think your will determines anything here. The moment you are born, you are born into a race. And it's not just a race that must be run, it's a race that must be won. Now, some will ask the question that it says many run and one gets the prize. Please don't be deceived. In any athletics meeting, there are events, fields and tracks. Some will even take you outside the stadium. So what we're saying is that run your race. You are created to run your race. We begin to see certain patterns in the thinking of Paul as we go on. So where do you win your prize? In your assignment. The assignment for which you are created. I don't believe anybody was created useless. Everybody has something to give. The fact that you are alive in this generation is because you have something to add to this generation. It was Jacopo that said, God is never redundant. He never does anything for the sake of doing it. He doesn't just keep doing things because he has nothing to do. He created and he does on purpose. Your life has a purpose. You have an assignment and you will accomplish it in the name of Jesus. And see, another thing Paul was making clear here is this. This is preamble to where I'm going. It says, anyone who run must be temperate in all things. And then he now made it clear in verse 27 when he said, I discipline my body. So what he's saying is this. This race is deliberate. You are created to run, but you must have a mindset that you want to run. You must run deliberately and intentionally. For what? To win the prize. And if that be the case, then it says, you, everyone that runs must be temperate in all things. In other words, you cannot be excessive on anything or on any matter. You must learn to discipline yourself. You must have self-control. You cannot be angry unnecessarily. You cannot be unforgiving the whole of your life. You cannot give into pleasure to the place where it becomes detrimental to other aspects of your life. Whatever you do, you must have self-control. There must be discipline. And that's what Paul was saying here. And he says something clear. In verse 26, he said, I run thus. How do I run? Not with uncertainty. I'm running, not running, not knowing what I'm doing. I'm running knowing that there is a reason. There is a prize. And I'm getting the prize. 
So I run those not with uncertainty. I fight not as one that beats the air. I look, I have the target, I hit my target. Let me declare here in the name of Jesus, your life is not useless, no matter how it is looking now. You are running for a prize and you will accomplish in the name of Jesus. So we saw Paul there. Let me give you another reference quickly. In Galatians in chapter 2, it was talking of how God had really blessed him with a lot of revelations. But hear what he said. He said, and I went up by revelation and communicated to them that gospel which I preached among the Gentiles, that is, went to Jerusalem, that is, but privately to those who were of reputation, lest by any means I might have run or had run in vain. Now, Paul was talking of the fact that God was using him and giving him a lot of revelations about the kingdom, about the mission of Jesus Christ on earth, a revelation for the entire church, which of course today constitutes two-thirds of the New Testament by the grace of God. He said, now I started receiving this thing, given that I wasn't part of the 12 disciples, but I met him. He chose, he appointed, he anointed, and he sent me. And I began to receive the revelation from him. As a matter of fact, if you have read some verses a little earlier, you discovered I said, the revelation I share, I didn't receive from any man. He said, but then, so that I would not find myself running in vain, even that aspect, it looks at it as part of running his race in life. So can I just quickly say this? Because, I mean, as you read on, you begin to find some things about Paul. Somewhere else was saying, look, look at Cephas, come on. Look at mention some other people. Say they have wives. Say, but see, we've chosen not to. So even that is part of your race. So let me quickly put it this way. Whether you are a son or a father or a wife or a daughter, it's part of your race. You are expected to excel as a son, excel as a husband, excel as a father. They are part of your race. And then excel in whatever bit God has given you to bring to bear on earth that will benefit humanity and glorify God. So Paul was saying here that even the revelations I was receiving, I had to check with those who have reputation so that I will not end up running in vain. May your life never be run in vain in the name of Jesus. You know, this just brings something to mind. How will it look like if at the end of life someone realizes that he has run another person's race? God forbid. So you don't have to. And that's why, sincerely, it's not a competition. It's about being the best at what God has created you to be. And I see you becoming the best in the name of Jesus. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 7, you see another reference of Paul to race there. Here he was indicting the Galatians. And hear what he said to them. He said, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? In other words, Galatians, you've been running a good race, but suddenly you are distracted. As a matter of fact, one version says, you've been running well. Who distracted you? And so you always see Paul depicting life as a race. Glory be to God in the highest. And as you go on, you still see me make references to this because there's no way we can explain this verse without looking at this allegory. 
of life as a race. Now, having said that, now shall we now progress to now look at this man, Paul? I look at Paul saying that, look, it's not like I have achieved. It's not like I have accomplished. But one thing I do. Now, for such a man to say that, and quickly let me remind you, like I said earlier, two-thirds of the New Testament was written by him. And he had the, I mean, he was bold enough to say in Galatians that no man taught me. God revealed these things to me. And God so revealed to him that he made them available for all of us today, written by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, giving clarity to the mission of our Lord Jesus Christ on earth, through which today we are now sons of the kingdom. So Paul really was a man mighty in exploits. As a matter of fact, somebody said of Paul, he said, of all the New Testament leaders, he was simply the greatest. Now, for such a man to stand up at the time and say, look, brethren, I do not count myself to have accomplished. It leaves one to think about one's own life. If after all his accomplishment, look, look at him when he was an unbeliever. If you look at his pedigree, I won't go through them all. I'll just give you references. In 1 Corinthians 11, 22 to 30, he stated clearly there, he said, if anybody have suffered for this cause, I, and he stated certain things amazing. When he was stoned, when he was flogged, when he was shipwrecked, oh my goodness. And then of course, in the book of Philippians, this same Philippians in chapter two, where he stated clearly, he said, if anybody is claiming to be an apostle, he said, much more him. And he gave his points, a Hebrew of Hebrew, from the tribe of Benjamin, a lawyer, amen. So whether as unbeliever or as believer, this man was phenomenal in life. His achievements were phenomenal. If you're looking for a hero of the gospel, you'll find it. At the time, I was looking at certain things on the internet. And some people were arguing the most influential man that ever lived. People had all sorts to say. But even amongst them, somebody, one of them said, I think the most influential person ever was Paul. I read it. And I wow. And of course, amongst us believers, we know that other than the Lord Jesus Christ who created the system, the most influential person that has walked the face of the earth was Paul. He has done much more to bring many into the kingdom than any other person apart from Jesus that laid down his life. And now for such a man to say, I do not count myself to have achieved, means a lot. But he didn't just leave us there. He said, but one thing I do, so in other words, I have not achieved but I'm not about to stop. I'm still pursuing. And that's what I want to stress today. One thing I do, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I hope you are getting the heart attitude here. In spite of all that I've seen, in spite of all that I've accomplished, 
It's part of the kind of influence God has given me to wield on earth. There's still more for me. So if you are going to give this someone your own heading, you can call it, there's still more. In Christ Jesus, there's always more. Glory be to God in the highest. And that's what I want to stress, like I said. For him to say one thing, again, that's quite emphatical. That is, Paul will say, I can sum everything I'm going to do to go forward by one thing. And what was that one thing? He said, forgetting. Wow. Shall we look at this for the next few minutes by the grace of God? You know, why wouldn't Paul give up when he was stoned? When they really wanted to kill him and he was stoned almost to death. As a matter of fact, in one place he said he was stoned to death, but the brethren came and surrounded him, raised up prayers. That was how he got up. Why didn't he give up? Why didn't he give up when he was shipwrecked on this course? When life was almost gone, why didn't he give up? Why didn't he give up when the Jews would make sure that they killed him? He was rescued by being arrested for an offense he didn't commit. If he wasn't arrested, he would have been killed. In fact, before then, it was said that prophecies were coming to him everywhere he went that they would deal with you in Jerusalem, they would seize you, they would want to kill you. But he said, I'm committed to this cause. What on earth could make him think and move in such a manner? Because he had come to realize that life indeed is a race, a race that you can always achieve more, a race that is not just literal, a race that is ordained by divinity that every individual must run and he was determined by this god that didn't leave him to run and seemingly accomplish only to find himself losing at the end you say what do you mean he was accosted on the way to damascus when he thought he was at the height of everything jesus knocked him down and by the time he got up he knew he was running with so much strength with so much intellect, with so much vigor, with so much passion, but it was the wrong grace. And by the time he was standing from there, Jesus said to him, you'll be led into the city and I will tell you exactly how much you're going to suffer for the kingdom. You are created to run the race that you are running in the kingdom. See, what you're doing against the kingdom is what you are created to do for the kingdom. I know I'm talking to somebody here today. Men do boast of their achievements. But what will it mean if at the end of the whole thing you realize that the ladder you have been struggling to climb is resting on the wrong wall? Somebody said, God forbid, in the name of Jesus. And that was what happened to Paul. And that was why Paul could talk the way he talked here. And from that moment, Paul got up and he never looked back. Ha. So you can see why he just continued to go. So I looked at this in a while. And I saw again from the life of Paul, and of course, generally, I realized that really, if one is not knowledgeable or careful, you can easily get stuck on the past. It was Ziegler that says, two ways the past can get you stuck. 
And one is this past successes. Paul could have refused to heed the indictment of Jesus on the way to Damascus. He could have gotten up and continued to glory himself in his past achievement. Howbeit they were on the wrong course. But no. No wonder he said earlier on in this same chapter, if you look at the context, he said, All this achievement that I'm listing, said, I count everything as dung, as rubbish. For one thing, the excellence of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, for which I was apprehended. So now we can begin to have a glimpse of that. And so, what am I saying? A lot of times, the success of yesterday, the glories of yesterday, become so nostalgic that we just cannot go forward. I've met people, really, that when you are telling them, look, you've got to do something now. All he or she is trying to say to you, no, you know, 10 years ago, I was so-so-so. Yep. Five years ago, I was so-so-so. Yep. Three years ago, I did this. Yep. Uh, from 15 years ago, when this, this, I understand you. But we are saying now and the future. I've met many like that. And normally it's really very difficult to get them to say, I appreciate that and congratulations. But now and here, we have work to do. We have mountains to climb. We have grounds to cover. Shall we? So many keep on glorying in the past. They are used to building fortresses on past glories. And that's why Paul said, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me. And I've come to realize that in the kingdom of God, it's always the forward direction. You cannot be pursuing things in the kingdom and be looking backwards. It doesn't work that way. And that's why Jesus will say, in Luke chapter 9, verse 62, it says, no man that puts his hand on the plow and turns back is fit for the kingdom. They don't go together. So when Paul says one thing, what's that one thing? Forget the past. But where are we in a pastor? What about when the past was so good? Can they be a kind of inspiration? Exactly. If the only reason I look at the past with nostalgia is to get inspired for the future, very well. In fact, that's what the past is made for. That's why it is often said that we learn from our past to motivate our future. So no matter how glorious my past is, Jesus has a better future for me. If I don't come to the place where celebrating the past, I realize that there's a better tomorrow, I get stuck. We have to always come to the place where we know that there is more in the future. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 18 that says, The path of the just is as a shining light, and it shines brighter unto the perfect day. What do you understand by that? It shines brighter and brighter and brighter until the perfect day. As far as the righteous is concerned, there is no stopping until the perfect day. So no matter how good yesterday may be, tomorrow will be better in the name of Jesus. That's what the Bible says. You know, somebody will say, but Pastor, wait a minute. You know, but the Bible says, 
in the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 9 that the race is not to the swift neither the battle to the strong but rather that it is God that shows mercy so how do you put that oh great then you'll agree with me too talking about the mercy of God that Bible says in Lamentations chapter 3 verse 22 that but for the mercy of God would have been consumed and then he says in 23 that this mercy of God is new every morning so hear me do you know why the mercies are new every, every morning so that you never have a preferable yesterday the mercy that saw you through yesterday is not enough for today so don't be deceived yes it is by the mercies of God honest but these mercies God makes sure that the mercy of yesterday is not what you will depend on for tomorrow he gives you new doors today glory be to God in the highest so forget yesterday there are greater highs to cover hallelujah you know I'm reminded of the story of a father that took a daughter to the, to the mall with the promise that I'm gonna get you a very good door the moment they got to the entrance of the mall they saw some doors displayed the one that will run the one that will jump the one that will talk the one that will say mommy daddy or whatever and the daughter said daddy this is what I want and daddy said wait a minute I'm bringing you here to buy something for you I've promised you I'm gonna buy it no 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 she will cry she'll throw tantrums the dad said no 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 you haven't seen them all let's go then they go to the next place then she now saw another better that was made with a car that would step out of the car and step into the car and wave bye bye say, ah daddy this is what i want and now she will cry and cry and cry uh oh and daddy will say wait a minute i want you to see more i brought you to do this for you i know what i'm thinking about you and then forced her to go further then she now found the one that will not only get out of the car and sit in the car that one will say mama food oh my goodness that's the one i want now what am i saying don't get stuck on little successes and that's why it is said that success is never final there's something greater in your future the God that saw you through to yesterday, that saw you winning the laurels and bringing up the glories of yesterday, is the same God today. He has more in store for you. Can we trust him? So Paul said, one thing I do, one thing I do, and I want to say to you today, if you are going to do one thing, forget yesterday. Reach out. For tomorrow you know i was thinking of this as i was planning this message and i it dawned on me i said my goodness so the reason god created a system that we have such that we will sleep and wake up and even Christian said night and day it was one day the reason he made it such that we always have yesterday today and tomorrow is so that yesterday will always be an inspiration to do today and motivate us for a greater tomorrow let your yesterday always be nothing but an inspiration for a greater tomorrow remember lost story like i said on thursday i mean god was out to save lot and his family god has some good plans for them and that's why the angel will say to him please escape to the mountain but you know lost rejected the mountain but that's all right 
and with the instruction that please escape to the mountain quickly and don't turn back. But Lot's wife will not heed. She will turn back and turn back and turn back and turn back to the extent that she got stuck. She became a pillar of salt. In the kingdom, we do not look back. In the book of Hebrews, in chapter 10, verse 39, the Bible says, we are not of them that turn back to perdition. To turn back is to be heading south. To turn back is to be looking for destruction. To turn back is to be looking for failure. You say, what do you mean? Because you'll be missing the better things of the future. Now, what about the second thing? He says the second thing is this. For some, the past had dealt them some terrible blows. Failures, some failures, some disappointments. Come on. Some betrayals, some losses, some shame. And because of that, they feel like life ended there. No. The same scene that says that success is not final says failure is not fatal. And you always hear people say, as long as there is life, there is hope. If there is hope, then there is more in your future. Hear what God said to them in the book of Jeremiah. He said, hey, you may think that because you are now in slavery, which is a punishment for your sins, you may think because of that, you are finished. No, no, no. I am God. And I know the thoughts I think towards you. They are never of evil but of good to give you a hope and a future. You have a future, regardless of what you have suffered in the past. Can you see that it's the same problem that the person that was over-celebrating that will now begin to build a fortress on the grace of the past? Uh, in fact, your case is worse. At least there's something in their past that they're referring to. But because of where you fell, you think, no, you can't make it. No, no, no. I tell you, you are the one to be celebrated in the future. Some were celebrated yesterday. They are not dead. You were not. But you are still both going into the future. You will be celebrated in Jesus. It's your turn to be celebrated. It's your turn to rejoice. Glory be to God in the highest. So life is a race. We can't run this race looking back. That's what Paul was saying. Thank God for the past. Believing for the future. Receive grace for today. See? Let me say it again. The past is your inspiration. Today you have full potentials. Tomorrow is your motivation. Another aspect of what can cause a distraction in this race is when you are afraid of tomorrow. And why will you be afraid of tomorrow? If you dwell so much in the past, tendency is to say, will I ever achieve like I achieved before? So the fear of tomorrow. Or if you have failed in the past, tendency is to say, will I not feel like I failed in the past? So the fear of tomorrow becomes a problem. So Paul says, forget yesterday and let tomorrow remain clean with great possibilities. Beckoning to you to come forward. As I begin to bring you to a close, hear what Paul said in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. And there, there's the catalog of great achievers. Those who have run this race and concluded it. Again, can you see Paul depicting life as race? Verse 40, he had this to say. 
say God haven't provided something better for us. Now, look, as great as the achievements of the people there, Abraham, come on, Isaac, <laughs> hey, Jacob, Gideon, Barak, Jephthah, Deborah, I mean, mention them. As heavy, as great, the achievement of this man were. Hear what he says in verse 4. He says, God having provided something better for us. Wait a minute. These ones were awesome, yes. But there's something better for us. That they should not be made perfect apart from us. So in other words, until we accomplish what we are created to accomplish, the overall perfection will not be arrived at. No wonder the Bible says, like I said, Proverbs 4, it says the, your life is like a shining light and it can only get better and better and until the perfect day. Glory be to God in the highest. Now, in chapter 12, verse 1, hear what Paul says. It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses, say, let us lay aside every weight. You remember how we started from? When we went to First Corinthians in chapter 9, he said, hey, anyone who does compete, that he competes to win, must be temperate in all things. So here he's saying to us, as I conclude, he said, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance, let us run with patience, <laughs> self-control. The race, we're back to it, that is set before us. The race that is set before us, we will have a race to run and you will win in the name of Jesus. Regardless of what your past is saying, I prophesy into your life right now, you will win. You will finish well in Jesus' name. There are greater exploits for you in the future. Remember, they that know their God will be strong and they will do exploits. Even in spite of all the failures around you, you will never stop doing exploits. Remember the story of Isaac. Everywhere was desert. Everywhere was slacker. But this man continued to get great and continued to be great. Or he became very great when everybody was becoming very small, very shattered. There is a glorious tomorrow for you in the name of Jesus. He says, and when men begin to fall, when men begin to get cast down, then you will say there is a lifting up. It's a heart attitude. And all Paul was saying, have the right attitude. Forget your yesterday. You have a much better tomorrow in the name of Jesus. So he says, put all these things aside and run with endurance the race that he said before you. Look at verse 2. So how do you run with endurance? Hello? Which to me explains forgetting what is behind how he said when you keep looking at your forward target when you keep on looking at your target in the future you have no time for the past looking onto jesus why jesus the author haha, and the finisher hallelujah he started it but he's waiting for you at the finishing line i mean you don't run in the race and you are looking at this tape in front and you are turning back for what all your focus your entire being is on crossing the tape the moment to maintain a focus on Jesus, the past is taken care of. Paul says, there are greater things ahead of you. 
You've seen all these heroes in chapter 11. Don't count yourself small. They are looking and waiting for you to finish and you will finish well. There are greater things in front of you. And how do you do that? Keep on looking at Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Glory be to God in the highest. And now says, who for the joy that was set before him? Because Jesus, it wasn't just saying, look at Jesus. He said, look at Jesus. Who has done it? How? He said, for the joy that was set before him. What did he do? He endured the cross. So run your own race with endurance. He endured the cross. Now you run your race with endurance. And look at the example. Look at your example. Jesus' your example. He ran his race with endurance. And so even if the things that will make him be ashamed and not, no, no, he despised the shame. When you are looking at Jesus, you will despise the shame. You will despise the trouble. You will despise the ignominy. Come on. The Bible says, and they sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Forgetting what is behind, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And now did, did Paul finish well? Of course. Second Timothy chapter 4, look at what he said in verses 6 and 7. He was writing to the young minister who was coming in. He was an old man now. Hear what he says in, in verse 6. Say, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. Paul had so many allegories, but more than anyone, he used that of the race for life. And his answer says, and the time of my departure is at hand. So he was saying, I think I want to quit. Now look at what he said in verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. So the question is, did he finish his race? Yes. How? By forgetting the things we were behind. How did he do that? He kept on looking at Jesus. No wonder when the snake beat him on the island of Melita, he couldn't get him. He was looking at Jesus who himself said, hey, if you take all poison, they won't hurt you. You will tread on serpents and scorpions and they can by no means do anything to you. He was looking at the one who had spoken. He was remembering what he had said. And he kept on going. And he kept on achieving. And he kept on achieving. Glory be to God in the highest. He finished well. You will finish well. I have come to tell someone that COVID or no COVID, your best is still ahead of you. Somebody said, what a wonderful thought it is that some of the best days of our lives are yet to happen. That's right. In fact, the very best days of our lives are yet to happen. Your tomorrow is much, much better. It is well with you in the name of Jesus. God hasn't finished with you yet at all. Every new day is a new beginning. Every new day brings new mercies. And indeed, if it's by the mercy of God, then new mercies will see you with new achievements, with new heights attaining in the name of Jesus. So rise up. Strengthen the weak knees in the name of Jesus. There's greater salvation ahead in Jesus' name. I would not like to leave without praying for those who need healing. The Bible says the first thing we do anywhere we get to, we should pray for those who are sick. So if you are sick in your body, receive your healing now in the name of Jesus. Even as I stand here, I rebuke every spirit of infirmity. 
every fear of death, I say, go in the name of Jesus. The Bible says by stripes, by the stripes on the body of Jesus, the stripes he received sacrificially, you have been healed. So be healed in the name of Jesus. It is well with you. If you gave your life when we're praying, or you're experiencing some healing in your body, you believe you'll be healed and you're seeing, please write us because I know there'll be testimonies. We'd like to share your testimonies. I call on the joy of the Lord to flood your house, to flood your heart, to flood your marriage in the name of Jesus. God bless you. We know that you have been tremendously blessed by this message. For additional information and materials from Pastor Taiwo Odukoya, please contact us at the Founding of Life Church, 12 Industrial Estate Road by PZ Industries of Town Planning Way in Lupeju, Lagos. P.O. Box 698, Shemolu, Lagos. Visit our website at www.tfolc.org. Thank you and God bless you.